Addiction is a chronic disease. Millions of people worldwide suffer from substance and behavioral addictions. An addict's life is often unmanageable, leaving the addict and his or her family and friends feeling completely powerless over the disease. Without treatment, addiction can result in disability or premature death. You are listening to Making an Addict. My name is DJ Burr, and I'm an addict in long-term recovery. I'm a licensed psychotherapist, behavioral addiction specialist, and best-selling author of I Just Wanted Love, Recovery of a Codependent Sex and Love Addict, now available on Amazon, Audible, and iTunes. I intend to bring you different perspectives about addiction from various sources, including other addicts in recovery, clinicians who treat recovering addicts, and families and friends of addicts to discover what makes an addict. Discretion is advised. To learn more about this podcast, check us out at makinganaddict.com or follow me on social media at djburr1022 on Facebook or the DJ Burr on Instagram. Welcome to another episode of Making an Addict. I'm DJ Burr and today I am speaking with my guest, Chris. Chris, welcome. Hey, thanks for having me. Well, uh, I'm originally from the Washington, D.C. area, but I live in Chapin, South Carolina now, which uh, has milder winters. is really a nice, nice place. Nice. How long have you been out there? I've been in South Carolina since 2008. I got a job opportunity down here and made my way down. I actually helped my parents build a house uh, on the lake and really liked the area and felt like um, I had had addiction problems actually where I lived on the coast in Delaware. Uh, After moving out of D.C., I moved to the coast of Delaware, and I had addiction problems there and and tried to make a fresh start, but only ended up just returning to my addiction. You know, they say wherever you go, there you are, and uh, that means uh, our addictions can travel with us. So... I'm glad that you're you're making time today to, to talk to us about your story and to answer the question that we talk about every week, and that's what makes an addict. Well, I appreciate the opportunity. I was excited to do this with you, so thank you. Yeah, I'm glad that you're here. So can you tell us about your story? Well, um, let's see. I started, I guess, with um, drinking alcohol, experimenting with alcohol in junior high. I was about in probably eighth grade, maybe 14 years old. And then I started uh, using marijuana and quickly moved to um, heavy use of marijuana and drinking. And I guess I, I used my first cocaine um, the summer after ninth grade and it wasn't, it didn't take long. I was a full blown addict, um, through high school. I drank and smoked marijuana every day. Um, I used methamphetamine and cocaine as well. And then I guess in the late eighties, um, the crack cocaine began the craze and I start. you know, I smoked some crack then and um i worried about um the the len bias story came out so i tried to step away from that but i still drank extremely heavily smoked marijuana every day and um would use cocaine occasionally powder went back to the powder form before returning to full-blown crack addiction in my late 30s goodness 
that you had a lot going on. Yeah, definitely. Wow. So um, I think it's – go ahead. I'm sorry. So I was just wanting to get some clarity. So um, you mentioned like the late 80s. How old are you now? I'm 48 years old. Okay. And I'm lucky to be here. <laughs> oh, I'm lucky to be here. <laughs> okay. So, um, so you started out very young in multiple addictions. Was this something that was introduced to you? Did you uh, see it happening around you in your environment? Well, you know, I did. Um, my mother and father um, were devout um, Mormons, actually, so they didn't do that. They they didn't drink or anything. But my older brothers and sisters, my my sister and my brothers, were part of the drug culture in the D.C. area. So yes, even in elementary school, I was seeing people drink and um, get high, and I admired them. And I also was a big fan of music, so I knew that a lot of my music influences also use drugs, and I wanted to use them too, which wasn't a, you know, a good decision. It's something I really regret. It was probably one of the, one of the biggest mistakes I ever made with my life. So. Well, how would you have known any different? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, I, I imagine that your parents uh, found out. Say again? I imagine that your parents found out about the drugs and the alcohol. Uh, did, yeah, they, they were uh, very disappointed. Absolutely. It's, I, you broke up a little bit, but I think I assume you said something about my parents being disappointed with the, the use. Well, I was uh, I was wondering if they when they found out about it, like, you know, what happened. So it sounds like they were disappointed in, in you using Oh, absolutely. I, you know, I think they were heartbroken. Um, you know, they had their own struggles with their marriage and they were, I was alone a lot and, um, maybe that wasn't the best, but, uh, and that had an influence in itself. I was free to come and go. And I think they kind of got tired of trying to battle because even in high school, um, I was staying out sometimes till three o'clock in the morning on school nights, um, just coming home absolutely wasted and, you know, just crashing into the bed and, and I'd get up in the morning and do it all over again. So you're in recovery now, is that correct? I am. I am. I actually have two years this month. Wonderful. Congratulations. Yes. I'm so Thank glad you so to, much. I'm so glad to hear that. I'm curious if you know since you've been in recovery and been clean for two almost sir for two years this month. You know what do you think is the root of your addiction issue? Well, um, I have depression and I had really bad social anxiety and some sort of anxiety. I had behavioral problems as a young person. I didn't really fit in. Um, I had depression for sure. Now that I didn't know what it was then, um, I think that those things are at the root of my addiction. Mm. And did your family get you any treatment for your depression? They tried. Yeah, they tried to take me to um, counseling and, and so forth, but... I I think less was really understood about it at that time, and they also were not the wealthiest, uh, so they couldn't get me the best uh, treatment available. 
Yeah, I can totally understand that. I mean, that happens for people nowadays. You know. Yes, it does. We have all it's these. Unfortunate. Ev- it is unfortunate. We have all these advancements of treatment, but our healthcare system still sucks. <laughs> it is. It really, it really is a mess, and it's a shame because there's a lot of good people that aren't surviving this because they don't get the, the treatment that they need. Right. So what are all the things that you uh, have learned about yourself and your addiction over the years? Well, that's a really good question. Um, it's something that I'm still processing. Um, what have I learned? I have learned that I cannot um, do some things that really appeal to me. And I, I even miss drinking, but I really, I just can't go there. I used to meet some really interesting people and have great conversations over drinks. And that's probably one of the biggest temptations for me now. It's not, it's not crack. It's, uh, it's the social situations that were enjoyable memories. As, As far as crack, it's, it's not an enjoyable, it's not an appealing memory. There was just, uh, my life became a pathetic mess. Um, I've learned that I need to stay close to God and my higher power. And uh, I pray daily, and I have to really be careful um, about the choices that I make. Um, I took uh, 20 sessions of therapy with a former addict himself, you know, a counselor like yourself with similar qualifications. And it has helped me to reprogram my mind to, to see things differently and to be more goal oriented um, with my time and, and my life. And that's really helped me. Therapy helped me so much. I also uh, do see a psychiatrist. And at this time, I take uh, Wellbutrin, and I take a mood stabilizer. I have a goal to try and see if I can get off these things. But when I when I came off of crack, I mean, it was a brutal time, and I mean, it just mentally, physically, spiritually, it was absolutely brutal. So at that time, I sought the treatment of medical professionals, and I still. At this time, I take, um, I had like terrible insomnia all my life. And so I take uh, a little bit of Seroquel at night. And so I don't know if everyone needs these things, but there's definitely mental illness in, in my life that I've had to face. So to answer your question, I've learned more about medical conditions um, such as mental illness and um how to handle addiction, um, that the triggers and so forth. I really have to be careful of the people that I'm around and uh, the choices that I make on a daily basis. Yeah, I mean, that, that's we have to do a lot of work to stay sober. That is the absolute truth. And uh, sometimes yeah. that means we have to change our entire environment. I have. Yeah. I really have had to do that, yes. And so at the same time, I got rid of a lot of people that only used me from, you know, for my resources to be able to get drugs and they would use my drugs. And so I got rid of people that really weren't my friends. And that was a positive. Right. 
And I have true friends in my life now. Good. I'm glad to hear that. You know, you mentioned yes. about alcohol and, you know, our society and alcohol, they're like go hand in hand. Like alcohol is they do. everywhere. You know, I was. It recently... is. I mean, a lot of people I like still drink. Exactly. I was recently in Europe and with some colleagues on a conference, and there was alcohol everywhere. And you know, I stopped drinking five years ago this month, and it was hard. It was hard, and you know, I hardly ever think about alcohol unless I'm around it, and so I try to stay away from it. But there are certain situations where you you don't know you don't expect it, and then there it is. Yes, absolutely. So, so we have to do our own self care and remove ourselves from that environment if possible, and that's what I had to do. I had to step away, and people were like, "Where are you going?" I was like, "I don't drink." They're like, "Oh, you know." Um, but there was only yes. two of us out of like 40 people who were drinkers, right? Yeah, it's tough, isn't it? That's the hardest that I have found. I quit smoking cigarettes. I don't miss them. I quit, you know, crack. I don't miss it. The hardest battle for me is not because I would enjoy, you know, having shots of vodka or something and good conversation. That's the hardest for me. Yeah, I totally get it. I'm right there with you. So... I'm curious if there was any trauma in your in your young life. Uh, yeah, there there was. Um, my family was, you know, somewhat dysfunctional. My my father worked uh, construction. He was away a lot. My mom was a nurse. They were uh, struggled just to keep food on the table and the lights on. And um, it, there was, there is, and I'm still dealing with that. I'm yeah. trying to figure it out. Um, Right now, one of my biggest problems is I have these reoccurring flashes that are like almost their PTSD. I, I did not serve in the military, so I feel like I do those gentlemen a disservice. But what I've learned is that PTSD is something that you can have and never have been in, in battle or anything like Absolutely. that. And I, I, yeah, I seem to have it. Um, I have right now these reoccurring, um, very negative emotions, and sometimes they happen three every 10 minutes, or um, and the medications that I've taken really are not helping it. And it's one of the most difficult and most uncomfortable things that I've had to deal with. And it also makes me want to drink because that's something that made it go away. Wow. At the same time, if you drink, you know, you're, you're destroying your body. So it's in your life, not a, yeah, in your life. And it's just not a good alternative. Man, so I hate to hear that, you know, trauma affects everyone, not just our, our military personnel, but anyone can be impacted by trauma. And sometimes when we think about trauma, we think about, oh, it has to be like this big thing, like a war or something. But what I've come to understand as a, as a patient and as a provider, is that those small traumas, like maybe being alone a lot as a kid, you know, not you know, not knowing if you're going to eat or not, um, you know, any type of physical abuse or sexual abuse that happens in in some people's lives, all of those things add yeah. up, right? Yes, absolutely. And, and we I... want to numb those difficult experiences and emotions because one, we should have never had to experience them. 
and two they're too damn hard to manage on our own when we're young children and so we look to other people places and things to numb those experiences there's absolutely that's that's a big part of what took place in my life some of the things that you mentioned you know the sexually being sexually abused and you know those things i don't talk about very much but yeah i experienced them um it's very unfortunate and they do affect you. I'm 48 years old now and, and they're still following me around. They're like demons, you know, that just follow you around and bother you. And you know, the pain is reoccurring. I know. I know. It's chronic. It, it is chronic. This, I mean, it, it's a chronic illness, you know, in my opinion, addiction is a brain disease and we, come to experience addiction as a result of trauma. I agree. And so it is a chronic issue. Um, any other family members currently dealing with addiction? Um, yeah, my, um, my oldest brother uh, was a crack addict. We smoked crack together. We smoked marijuana together. He passed away a year ago this month um, from emphysema actually from emphysema he got sick because of smoking and probably had something to do with the he was a heavy crack user and there's a lot of chemicals and crap in that so that was a terrible experience my brother um used all his life as well brian is my my brother um he is still currently active in his addiction and he has a he had a thing for pills which really wasn't my thing but he got into a motorcycle accident. He was a, an amazing skier and motorcycle rider. And, but he drank and he wrecked one time and really destroyed his arm. So he got onto um, opioids and became just a, completely addicted to them. And then, of course, he was a difficulty um, with obtaining that. So then he went to heroin. Like so many other people in our society, they start on the opioids and then they end up on the heroin. Yeah. My sister is sober now. She sobered up before me. Uh, she also used. She was a drinker and and cocaine and and so forth. But I can't. I can't remember. I guess Jennifer has probably like yourself five years, seven years. Okay. Around that. Wow. Yeah. Wow, that, I mean, addiction affects the entire family, right? Absolutely, absolutely. You know, it skipped my parents. Um, both of their father, both of my, my grandfathers were raging alcoholics. Um, it skipped my parents. My parents were the, were the children of um, raging alcoholics. Yep. Yeah. Uh, there's that so. genetic component there. There's the emotional stuff that comes out of that. You know, uh, addiction yeah. is is definitely a family disease. Absolutely. Man. Yes, it's definitely hit mine. Yeah. Tell. Actually, my my nephews too. You know, I I left that out. My uh, the children. Uh, my sister's son um, died of an overdose of heroin in Maryland. He was 26 no. years old. Yeah, so absolutely what you're saying, it, it even has gone to the to the young people in our in our family. I hate to hear so. that. Can you talk about what you're doing now in recovery and what your your program of recovery has looked like for the last 2 years? Absolutely. Well, I um 
I saw a, an addiction counselor, and that was an, a wonderful help. Um, I also saw a – I have a case social worker that I saw through South Carolina um, because it really affected um, – I mean, I basically – I lost everything. I, I live in a beautiful home on a lake that I helped build, but it's not mine. I lost – I had – I can't even, I went through probably $200,000 in the case, you know, a course of 10 years wow. um, or more, you know, I just can't really be sure. But um, so over the last two years, I, I got, I sought therapy and then um, I wrote about addiction a little bit. I started to pray every day, the, the higher power as far as I'm concerned. It was key for me, and it's there for everybody. It's there if you go to church, regardless of sexual orientation. I believe that God is there and loves and cares about everyone. Uh, I know that for some people it's a, a different higher power. Um, for me, prayer, really, I think it pulled me through, and I began to heal. Um, now I am in a a master's program at Purdue University. I'm really enjoying that. I'm actually in a statistics class right now, so I'm really that that one's bothered me. But I've really enjoyed the writing and and the learning about public relations and so forth. And um, I've been working for myself, doing um, odds and ends. Like I just did a foundation repair. I'm, I've been a builder all my life, and I had. Uh, ran really big projects, multi-million dollar apartment complexes, restaurants, shopping centers. Um, I have not been able to get back to that level ever since I sobered up. I've had interviews. I have not been able to to get hired back into that to that area of the field, and it's really been painful for me. Was that field, uh, were you using it while you were in that field? Yeah, I was. You know, um, it's a big part of the construction industry, and that was actually an influence for me. I started as a carpenter's helper when I was in junior high school or right heading into high school, and that was it. That fueled, that only fueled my appetite for drugs and alcohol, that, that lifestyle, party lifestyle. I loved it and, and had good times with it for a while. Um, so anyway, yeah, to, to answer your question, um, I'm doing the best I can, but it's not where I want to be. So I have a lot more work to do. Right. And I wonder if you're higher. As far as the addiction, I've got it pretty well. I'm it's under control. You know, I haven't even had a slip up. I haven't had a relapse of any kind. So. Well, thank goodness. I'm glad to hear that. You know, I'm curious. Yeah. I wonder if, like, maybe your higher power is trying to direct you to a different field of work. Um, it's funny you say that because I absolutely agree with you. <laughs> and that's the message that I've been getting. That's the message I've been getting. You know, I kind of got sidetracked, but yes. I mean, my last job, I was running an apartment complex. And I was smoking crack right on the site oh, wow. while I was doing the, yeah, not every day, but I was, yeah. Wow. So Yeah, I think your higher like power definitely is talking part of my to life. you. It, it's, it sounds like higher power is directing you somewhere else, you know. 
I think so. And, you know, I've been, I've been praying a lot about it and it's just what everything that I've been doing hasn't been working out. So I'm like, (laughs) please God, I need your help because I can't fix this. I cannot fix this. Right. So what I did was I signed up for a master's program because I wasn't busy enough. And that's, that's a big part of what I'm doing. And I feel really good about it because I wanted I've coveted degrees ever since I was a kid. That's another thing. I started at University of Delaware in my 20s, but because my addiction got so bad, uh, I was never able to finish my four-year degree until I sobered up. So that's another thing I, I forgot to neglected to tell you is I was actually able to finish my bachelor's at the University of South Carolina after only after I sobered up. So it was just last uh, May of 2016 that I graduated from uh, with my bachelor's degree. Beautiful. Yeah. It's, yes, sir. That's pretty amazing. You. Uh, you know, so it sounds like you're definitely headed in, on a new path, and um, you're not alone on that path, right? You're in recovery. I imagine that uh, you have friends in recovery now, right? You know, I... Uh... I'm trying to think if I have any other than my sister. You know, I haven't been going to any NA or AA meetings. And the reason I don't go is because I try to engage my brain in my dreams and my goals. Um, I do have Chris, my counselor. He, he's in, in a former addict in recovery, and he has been trying to get me to go. He says that I really need uh, to go to NA. I did go to an AA meeting one time since I uh, sobered up, and I just really, um, you know, I don't know if this is correct or not, but I didn't like saying, hi, Chris, or, or I'm Chris, and I'm an alcoholic. Every time somebody says something, and I try to to formulate my recovery a little differently than some of the 12-step programs that, that I've when I was younger, I went to and I tried NA and AA, and uh, I just I, I don't want to knock the programs for anyone because I know they help a lot of people. They do help um, a lot of people. I have not been going, but you have. But sometimes you have to. You have to maybe approach it differently. Like first, you know, I often hear people say, "Hi, my name is so and so, and I'm a person in recovery," and I'm like, "Yeah, absolutely." Your person in recovery. That's exactly what Chris, my 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 counselor, says. You should go in there. He said there's people in there that say, "My name is Chris and I'm in recovery." Yeah, and they don't say I'm a drug addict or whatever. Well, shit. You yeah. know, if I went to a meeting and listed out all the damn things that I am, we'd be there for a while. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> me too. So, just saying that you're in recovery is enough. And I don't even know. It's not a requirement, right? So the room scared me, too, when I first got in there. I was like, oh, my God, I got to say I'm an addict. But the truth is no one is telling you that you have to say that. Um, That was my experience. You know, it was all in my head. Yeah, you're right. It's kind of just like it feels like you're um, obligated, but nobody has, has said that. They really haven't. And like the AA meeting that I went to, everyone was nice. Everyone was supportive. So it's just kind of maybe 
you know, Chris says I, I'm agoraphobic. I have agoraphobia, so I don't like to go out. And it's true. I have uh, stressors when I go out and I'm around people. It's, uh, it's still something I struggle with. And I think it's probably what led me to drinking and, and using one of the reasons that led me to drinking and, and using in the first place. Right. Yeah. Cause it, you, you know, you discussed, you know, mental illness and, you know, um, I can say for myself, mental illness is part of my history as well. Um, I have a family background in, you know, that has uh, mental illness and those are things that we can't change. We can't, we can't go back and erase that, but the steps that you're right. currently taking is helping to address it. And so I just encourage you to continue to, to take those uh, healthy risks and surround yourself with people who are in recovery who can support this new path that you're on. I know that's great advice, and you sound exactly like my counselor, who is a <laughs> wonderful, wonderful help to me. Uh, absolutely. You, you know, he, he says exactly the same thing that you're saying now. Yeah, you know, so, I I was scared of going like to AA and things like that. So I went to Codependence Anonymous and that program changed my life, saved my life, really. It wasn't until I got into Codependence Anonymous, um, it wasn't until then that I, you know, realized, came to understand that I was an alcoholic, I was a sex addict, you know, all these things. Because what that program taught me was that there is a root issue, right? And the root issue is the relationship that I have with myself is dysfunctional. And I was like, wow, here we go. Let's do the work. Yes. Right? Yes. And so uh, I really appreciate uh, what I have learned on my journey. So I'm curious if you have any um, words of encouragement to our audience who maybe you know people out there who may be still struggling who may be dealing with alcoholism or are addicted to heroin or meth or any of those hard substances that you've had experience with my recommendation would be to get a drug counselor to hopefully they have some resource that they can get medical attention um, and for me, I started praying every day, so it, my higher power was a, was a huge part of that. In fact, whenever I do look at the big book or the NA big book, the parts about God ring so true to me. Um, I believe that uh, we need to have gratitude, and people need to realize that they are making progress even when they don't feel that they are. With each passing hour— that they win the battle, they are progressing, they are healing, and they need to stay on that track. Um, the other way is death and, and destruction and despair. So, you know, I wrote, wrote an article about it. I'm trying to remember the things that I said. And I said that gratitude was really important. Faith, faith, you know, the higher power was critical for me. Um, but see, I've always been spiritual, uh, person that like, I prayed even when I would be smoking crack. Mm -hmm. So it came naturally to me and I don't know that it comes naturally to everyone, but I def definitely have a, a strong, uh, testimony of prayer, the power of prayer. And that's there, like I said, for anyone, anyone. 
So um, that's really important, and I would recommend it that people get in touch with their higher power, that they have faith, and that they have to have diligence. It's hard work, and you need to embrace the pain and live for the fight. I guess those are the two things I would say. Embrace the pain and live for the fight. You know, it's like a song. You live for the fight when that's all you got. Mm. Wow, that's powerful. I'm writing that down. <laughs> I appreciate it. Yes, that's, you know, I'm going to hang that up. <laughs> absolutely. Wow, Chris, I really appreciate you taking the time and being so vulnerable with, with our audience today and sharing your experience, strength, and hope. You know, the, the message that you are leaving us with, embrace the pain and live for the fight, is one that I think every single person who is going to listen to this podcast can relate to. So thank you for that. And I'm honored to be here. Yeah. Thank I, you. Yeah, you're so welcome. And you know, if, at any time I can do anything to help you in the, on your path, just call me. You got my number. Absolutely. You already have helped me. You've been been there along the way. We were friends when I was still you. I didn't, you know, I didn't know that. You did. Wow. Absolutely. Okay. I, I had no idea that you were still using. I, I and thank you so much. I'm I'm honored to be a part of your, you know, what you're doing here. And I hope that if I help just one person, it's all worth it. Amen. Just one. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for being on today's show, Chris. I thoroughly appreciate you and your friendship. And uh, I will continue to, to pass on to pass on the message that you are leaving us with today. Well, thank you. You have a great day. It's right. been great being with you. Thank you for joining the discussion today on Making an Addict. In closing, I want you to understand that there are various opinions about addiction and what makes someone an addict. The opinions expressed here on today's show are those of the person who made them. I suggest you take what you heard, process it, and decide for yourselves what you believe in. If you have feedback or want to tell your story on the show, let me know by emailing makinganaddict at gmail.com, or you can reach me on social media. Again, I'm on Facebook and Twitter at djburr1022 and thedjburr on Instagram. Lastly, thank you for giving me the opportunity to be of service. Recovery saved my life, and I will be forever grateful. I will keep giving back every opportunity I am given. Tune in next time to witness our ongoing discussion on Making an Addict. Making an Addict is produced by DJ Burr and the Recovery Legacy Network. Today's tracks features music by CDK. Learn more at makinganaddict.com.